Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Founded and Grounded, the podcast for startups and founders and wannabe, would-be or even existing entrepreneurs, wherever you are. This is the program where we take the wisdom of an established entrepreneur and share their experiences with you, the ups, the downs and the roundabouts to help you in your own business journey. Uh, Welcome. I'm Andrew Parsonage, your genial host for the next half hour or so. A very happy new year to you. I hope you've had an amazing 2021 so far because it has really been that, hasn't it, folks? All that to talk about, good riddance to 2020, it feels remarkably similar, but hopefully we'll put a smile on your face and give you something enlightening and enjoyable to listen to for the next half hour or so. Of course, I couldn't do this on my own and I would need the services of an experienced top-level business founder guru and the man who's going to fill those shoes once again Mr. Ollie Collard. Good evening, Ollie. Good evening, Andrew. It's great to be back in the studio with you. It, all those aspirations of getting back around the kitchen table with the microphones, and we're still here online doing it via video link. And yeah, here we go again. So, so Ollie, uh, 2020 was an interesting year to say the least, but we covered loads of great businesses and we took on a whole bunch of new listeners. Yeah, I think 2020 was an amazing year in the sense of businesses having to change and adapt their business models and the resilience that you saw in founders when their businesses have literally been wiped overnight by coronavirus. It was a year like no other, and I'm sorry that we've barely got a few minutes into our first podcast of 2021 and we're already talking about COVID. I promise you we will move on from this very shortly. I said jokingly at the beginning that 2020, it was good riddance to all that. 2021 would be amazing and, you know, looking forwards and things could only get better. Well, it's not going to get better immediately, at least, certainly for the next few months. I guess the question I had for you is that how much more of this can the startup community take? How resilient can they continue to be? Yes, we, we spoke to many businesses who saw opportunities in the midst of all of this last year, but... Can this carry on or do you still feel that there's reasons to be optimistic? It's a really good question, Andrew. I think there is a real sense of optimism around startups. Last year, 2020, despite obviously coronavirus, there was a massive uplift in terms of new businesses started despite the pandemic. So there was over 772,000 businesses that were started in the UK which was over a 13% increase on 2019. And I think, again, given the the amount of time that people have got on their hands, people being furloughed, people really contemplating what they want in the future, I think we will again see another record year for startups in 2021. So, well, maybe maybe there is cause for optimism after all. And certainly over these next few months, We'll continue to share with you uh, the tales of businesses from not just the UK, but from other parts of the world. And we're back in the US today. I think it's our third show featuring US-based startups. So delighted to uh, to be across the pond once again. And that's probably the perfect cue to talk about our guest for this first podcast of 2021. So, Ollie, would you please introduce this podcast's featured business? Of course, Andrew. So I'm delighted to have spoken with Paul, who is founder of Copy.ai, which is a really new cool tool for getting your marketing copy out there and getting creative. Yeah, there's going to be a bit of a tech theme to this first show of 2021. It was a big year for digital last year and people's use of 
platforms and digital tools from Zoom upwards. There was a year almost like digital matured in many ways. It became more intrinsic to life than it was already. What we're going to be featuring today is, is, is a little bit of a glimpse into the future, but the future that's happening now. And Ollie, I know you've got first-hand experience this as well. So yeah, it's definitely a tech theme to today's show. And what we'll be doing is we'll be looking a little bit more in depth at this particular tool. And also Paul has what he calls his playbook, his seven key areas. Normally every week or every episode, we ask a founder for their one piece of advice. Well, <laughs> Paul's got seven. Uh, so we're going to go through those to varying degrees later on in the show. But let's turn to the first part of the interview. And uh, here's Ollie uh, kicking off with Paul and Paul explaining what copy.ai is all about. You know, we kind of got started when OpenAI launched GPT-3 earlier this summer. We saw some kind of insane videos of people using this this GPT-3 AI tool to automatically write like all kinds of things just kind of automatically. So to us, it looked like total magic. And we tried pretty much as hard as we could to get early access to it. And so the second we got early access to it, we started building as many tools as we could. So we built one product called Simplify.so where you would put a giant blob of text in it and it would spit out like a two sentence description of what that whole thing said. So we, we launched that. Then we launched a site called taglines.ai, which would create a slogan for your company. And people actually started using that quite a bit. And we started getting like actual paying customers for the product. And we then realized, okay, well, I think we're onto something here. I think there's room for a marketing AI platform that can help you generate content kind of from end to end for your company or your product. So we built copy.ai to be that platform. We ended up launching on October 15th. We did a big launch on Twitter, got about 2,000 signups in the next two or three days. And then just yesterday, we hit our 10,000th signup. And we've got over 100, 100 paying customers right now from all over the world. And it's a complete mix of businesses. Digital marketers are using it. Um, ad agencies are using it. Media buyers, um, in addition to e-commerce stores and like Shopify sites are using it. So we feel like this is a really, really big market for people who are looking to write marketing copy a lot faster. That's some great growth from launch on the 15th as well. Can you tell our listeners a bit about how you advertise that on Twitter? Sure. So, you know, Twitter is a very powerful platform for distributing messaging and content. I mean, the most well-known startup entrepreneur on the planet is probably Elon Musk. And Elon Musk has built, I think, tens of millions of followers on Twitter. And he built his companies around himself, his own brand. So there's this genuine authenticity when he builds something. If he wants to work on a project, He's on Twitter talking about it from day one. This gives him an enormous advantage over any competitor trying to compete with him because when he launches these products on Twitter and when he's talking about his companies and his vision, he can go get users and he can get real big believers in his brand to promote and distribute his message for him. So for Tesla, for example, they spend almost no money on paid advertising. And so when you take out one of the biggest cost components for a product, you can redeploy that money into product development, 
you can redeploy the money into you know decreasing the price of the product to make it more accessible more affordable and this is like a killer feature that twitter does i think better than any other of the social media platforms for at least for distribution so we're taking full advantage of that i even you know have a promotion for founders who are building their startups in public that will give them a free forever copy of uh, copy.ai so i mean it sounds like a pretty groundbreaking product and offering how are you different from anybody else out there in the marketplace and why does that matter there have been ai models and correlation models that'll do autocomplete or or text generation for a very long time what makes the product very different is with gpt3 the size of the ai model kind of increased 100x over gpt2 and it really hit a tipping point for usefulness so when you generate a set of results and for gpt2 maybe 80 or 90 percent would would just read like nonsense so for the everyday user it's not particularly useful because you have to wade through a lot of garbage text output with GPT-3, that kind of reversed 180 degrees. So now most of the output is readable and it makes sense. And that also means that a much higher percentage of the results are going to be gems, like marketing gems that you can actually use and just push straight onto your website or your blog or your social media posts. And so we designed our product to allow users to capture as much of that value just kind of intuitively using the product. So we've made our tool really easy to use and we're, we're creating these um, different writing tools for like blog post ideas, for Facebook descriptions, headers. We're really, really focused on adding value in that way, more so than like pixel perfect design. Like we just don't have time for that. So we're working really on getting the big pieces of value out to the rest of the world. And so we look at it like we're on a mission, basically, to distribute this incredible AI tool to the entire planet. It's a very personal mission for us to get our tool in the hands of entrepreneurs around the planet. So what we think we're onto right now, especially with GPT-3 and similar AI models, is the internet has now gotten big enough to train itself to create new content. So this creation engine of the internet has literally just been built and we're positioning our platform to be the interface between humans and these creative AI models. So what's going to end up happening is if you use our tool, you'll see each time you run the tool, you're describing a product and we're sending you back marketing ideas or startup ideas or whatever it is you're looking to write. Every time you generate it, it's almost like you're generating a new universe of ideas and creativity. Within our tool, we've already generated like several million marketing copy results. And this is like this explosion of creativity that's happening within the tool. We feel like this explosion in creativity and words and content is going to 10x or 100x the size of the internet over the next decade. And we want to really help people find the words that they really are looking for and kind of not be the tool that AI is portrayed as, like AI is talking. We want the user to talk and we want the user to use AI to give them ideas, just like 
your own stream of consciousness gives you ideas about things to say. You know, you filter out the thoughts that roll through your head. You edit the thoughts that roll through your head. We're basically the same thing, but it's words that you can see on your screen. And Paul, just coming back to your your life outside of copy AI, what other hats have you had as an investor? What companies have you invested in? I'm the CFO of a venture fund. We help employees exercise stock options. So we've actually invested in over 400 venture-backed startups, You know, most of which are in Silicon Valley in the US. And I have seen pretty much every software business model, every growth strategy that's worked. And the things that really excite me are the companies with these massive, massive visions. The bigger the vision you have, the easier it is to get people rallied around that vision of the future. So for the founder, they, it really starts with their own ability to very clearly and succinctly describe what their vision is. So even with our tool, this is something that we really want to help entrepreneurs with. A lot of times, if you, you think like there might be this way to build a startup or to make money or something like that, but what it really is, is a vision for the future. And this future has to be better. If you can envision a better future, you can, you can get people to help you build it. So for the companies that we invested in, we know that the biggest companies have literally the biggest visions on the planet. The limiting factor in startups and innovation, to me, it now is not the tools needed to build this stuff. It's really the vision of what we want to build. My co-founder and I, we've, we've had hundreds of startup ideas. We, you know, we've built probably dozens of them. And the thing that keeps coming back into our minds every time is everything we build, we learn something new so that the next project we build, we're able to kind of hone in on the real value proposition much faster. So with this product now, you know, the second we launched it, we started seeing people sign up and we weren't even promoting it. So we knew that some of our beta users were sharing it with their friends. Best customer feedback we're getting is just, it is like, hey, you know, I had writer's block and this solved it in seconds. Like that to me is insane that humans have suffered from writer's block for years. And then all of a sudden you have this tool powered by the internet and it basically makes that go away. So I don't think we're, we've even scratched the surface on what, what these tools are going to be able to do and what, what kind of impact that's going to have. Interesting, Paul, interesting. And in terms of your launch so far, so we talked about you've got 10,000 users on board in a very short amount of time. You want to grow that by 100,000 users over the next couple of weeks. How are you setting out to achieve that ambition? So the first thing I did was I was on Twitter in October. Right after we launched, I said, goal number one, 10,000 users by the end of October. I had no idea how to get there. We ended up coming short. We had about 8,200 users, I think. So for us, uh, user acquisition is, is probably the number one thing that I'm focused on. When you set these ambitious goals, you, you know you have to hit them and you don't know exactly how you're going to do it. There are like, you know, a range of activities that you can use to get distribution and get the word out. And so, you know, got to test a bunch of them and see, see which ones work. And what, what's the best strategy so far for you guys in terms of, it sounds like referral marketing is working pretty well. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the, the way to increase word of mouth is to make your product better. 
So that's what we've tried to do. So adding tools to the product, adding better user interface experience, that's how you make the product more compelling. And at the end of the day, the product is going to have to do most of the selling for you, right? Nobody cares about who we are. That's not why they're using our product. You can't really brand it either. Like we're nobodies, you know, we don't have brand. So the brand that we're trying to build is one built around this mission and this vision about where we want to take the product. So there we heard from Paul talking about the product that he's created. I know Paul's explained it, Ollie, but just in, in layman's terms, in case anyone didn't catch it just a few moments ago, what exactly is copy.ai? It's a really good question, Andrew. So in layman terms, what you can do is you log into the, the platform, which is a Chrome extension, and essentially you input your text about your product or your service, and essentially you choose your output. So whether you want it to be for a Facebook ad, Instagram, a landing page, hero text, you input your copy and it throws out a wide range of new copy, new ideas for you based on AI in less than 30 seconds. Now, before we started recording this latest episode, Ollie did a bit of a demo for me, actually, because Ollie is a paying customer of this particular product and he took me onto platform and we took some blurb from the Founding and Grounded podcast website or podcast page and we chucked it into the mixer so to speak and it was pretty mind-blowing in a very short time for a whole range of different uses the kind of copy it created and what it did was it, it in, in many ways <laughs> it actually elevated what we'd already written Ollie so I know in a way it got you thinking about well maybe we need to update our uh, blog website copy if I put it in very very simple terms it's like this amazing sort of sausage machine you put your words on one end and out the other end comes a whole variety of tailored copy using words and phrases that you may not have even considered using or even thought of to create something that you could then use in your marketing it, it's pretty mind-blowing Ollie, isn't it it is great it is just that and uh, i love your description there of a sausage machine I'm, I'm sure paul will be thrilled that i've compared an ingenious piece of ai to a sausage machine but i'm sure he sees i'm sure he sees the analogy somehow I mean, the words that his website uses, they call it the end of copywriter's block, which I think is very another very good way of putting it, actually. It's like in startups, founders have to wear many hats, as we've explored in previous shows. And one of those hats is marketing. Well, you may not be the world's best wordsmith. You might be a dab hand with words now and again, but generally it's like another thing to think on, on top of everything else you have to do. So, yeah, it is it is really impressive, Ollie. And, and, and do you think that's what it's doing? It is catering for that market where... Simply founders don't have the time to be agonizing over every word. I think so, Andrew. Like you say, you're, you're wearing so many different hats. And this is just essentially a tool to to make it easier, to aid your creativity and really get your, your best copy out into the world. It, it just shows how I think we're all still trying to get our heads around AI a little bit. But there's no doubting the creative potential of AI in, in, in this, which is it feels like a very everyday sort of application of it. Most definitely. And I think Paul was talking about AI and how the switch to GPT-3, which has essentially revolutionized the usefulness of AI and the possibility and the capability of it in business, essentially. So essentially, it stands for generative pre-trained transformer that is basically utilizing deep learning to produce human-like text. So Paul was saying the shift from 
the predecessor to the new GPT-3 has essentially 100x the potential of AI in coming out with good content that's fit for purpose. Yeah. Let's just talk about how Paul launched this business. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about the product there and and, uh, the mind-blowing potential of AI. Let's just talk about launch to market. Now, Interestingly, he he only launched this, what, three or four months ago in October 2020. It's pretty much a Twitter-based launch. And he's already got thousands of paying customers, of which I think, Ollie, you are one of the, the first by the looks of it. It just goes to show that it is possible to take a free tool like Twitter and to launch a business on social media. It shows it can be done, Ollie, doesn't it? Definitely. I mean, I think I'd caveat that with... If you've got a large enough audience who's engaged in your content, then it's definitely possible. So essentially, Paul had an audience that was active on Twitter, and he actively started talking about the idea through to launching, through to getting the early product out there on Twitter. That was very much his distribution strategy for getting the product to market. So when it came to launch, almost like that audience were in a state of frenzied anticipation and because he he built them up over a period of time. Yeah, so he's very much an advocate of founders building in public. And he said, based on previous advice that he'd given out to founders, that maybe that's not the right thing to do. But he was very quick to say, actually, the advantages from building in public has massively outweighed the disadvantages of doing so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we talked about the advantages of this you know, it's an automatic writing tool. It can it can support marketing. It can help people who've got that sort of maybe copy block or haven't got time to be worrying about marketing or time to be able to give it the time it deserves. Do you think there's potentially any drawbacks to this? Do you think maybe people could rely on this too much maybe and, and lose sight of how they're trying to express themselves? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know in terms of when the product is potentially saturated obviously you know there's been lots of early adopters with it but once it gets out to the mass market if everyone's using it then no one's going to be standing out so i think that there could become a point where there is a kind of saturation point on the flip side to that they're literally releasing new products every day so every day i log in there's like a new a new tool that's on there so i think it gets people coming back and it's not just for writing copy. It can be for like brainstorming, coming up with your customers' pain points and how to market them. is very varied in terms of its application. I think the, the application of it, scope of it is so wide and I think that's going to be its kind of key selling point really. You're listening to Founded and Grounded. Reality, reassurance and inspiration every fortnight for the startup community. So we talked a bit about this already around your vision, but where would you want the business to be in five years time? Chris and I, because we're early stage investors, the thing we love more than anything else is startups. We love startups. We love the vision. We love, you know, a startup founder becoming passionate about something that they really want to spend all of their time and attention on working on. And that's the vision about where they can take humanity. In five years, if you told me we could build a platform that could help millions of people start their own companies and form these really concrete visions for what they want to do and help them market those products and services they end up building, 
to like, you know, the entire world, I'd say that would be amazing. AI is supposed to lead to this singularity moment and we haven't seen it. In our opinion, the, this AI singularity moment is where if you can envision something, you can build it almost instantaneously. And if you can build it instantaneously, you can realize any vision of the future you want very, very quickly. This is why, you know, we've invested in creator economy tools, community tools, things that allow people to create and build. So we're really very excited and I'm eager to see us have some success and then us help other startup founders have success with their projects as well. The next question is around a question for our audience. So is there anything that you want to ask our listeners, Paul? You know, I definitely want to know for a startup founder, what are the main pain points that they have with writing and especially articulating their vision for their product project? What we really want to do is help founders think through the really big picture and what they can really achieve and build. We want them to take that ambition and and really make it very concrete in their mind. If you can't articulate that vision, it's it's very difficult to raise money when you have a very well-financed competitor in the marketplace. So you need to take that vision and you need to basically be able to articulate that and share that with the rest of the world. Amazing, Paul. Thank you very much for your insights there. The last part of the show, we ask founders for their advice to people thinking of starting a business or those early stage founders already in business. Now, I know we spoke before about your kind of playbook in seven key areas. So maybe you wanted to run through those for our listeners, Paul. Yes, we'll do. So the first key lesson is build these order of magnitude improvements. So don't focus on optimizing too much early on. You need to really build a very valuable user proposition for your users. So your users need to look at your product or service and go, wow, that really does solve this problem I have. So that's like number one. Number two is, again, on that pixel perfect design is a waste of time for most new kinds of products, unless you're com- you know, really competing in a very mature market, which is hard to do. Don't recommend that unless you have a very long time scale that you can do that, work on that. Number three, the user experience is really everything. So make it very easy for users to use your product and to find value in it. Number four is build for launch speed. So not just back-end scalability, but for front-end scalability as well. This is why having your vision is really important. If you have a very big vision, it can give you a much better idea of where your product is going to be growing. And if you don't know where your product is going to be headed, it's very hard to build the initial product to manage that and basically make it easy to add features. Number five, launch as fast as possible. Always be launching, launch early. Don't do betas, do public betas. You will not win early enterprise customers early on. You just won't do it. They, they're late adopters, but you will win early adopters. They will always be there for you. They're fantastic users. They will give you fantastic feedback. They will tell you every time something is wrong with your product. And their product advice, their feature advice is going to be amazing. Forget startup advisors, forget investors. They, they just guess at what customers want. The only way to find those early customers is to be launching in public. 
the early adopters are going to be like, that's who you need to listen to more than anybody else. Number six is for distribution, it's very important that you find leverage points. So people, who are the people with distribution and how do you provide value to them? Because you're trying to get this message out and you may not have any followers on any social media site. And then uh, seven, you know, I see a lot of pitch decks from founders and I see a lot of product roadmaps and they have like these quarterly roadmaps, like for the next 12 to 24 months. I think most of them are way too slow, insanely slow. Like every side project we've ever built, we prioritize building it and launching it and getting feedback within seven days. And if you can't do that, you're probably going to waste a lot of time. There are a lot of people that have the ability to raise money because of their network or their experience. A lot of them will blow the money. They'll blow right through that money and not have anything to show for it. So when you're looking for a co-founder or consultant or whatever, find people that can build fast and launch. Like that is the key to this whole business. Yeah, that's it. That's seven. Is that good? Amazing. I'm glad I wrote that down last, last night, Holly. <laughs> good stuff, Paul. And just picking up on one of your earlier points as well, because you mentioned about obviously your experience of investing with these 20 plus companies. And you mentioned about, you know, you've seen some of the best growth strategies implemented. In terms of growth strategies, is there anything, any advice that you'd share there for founders listening? Sure. Yeah. So if you know who your target market is, you just have to find out where they are and you have to find out how to reach them. So, it, you know, Twitter is not the best distribution strategy for every product. Facebook's not the best. TikTok's not the best. YouTube is not the best. But there, there is usually some kind of place somewhere on the Internet where it's easy to find the people that are going to get the most value out of your product. On Twitter, you can do that one-on-one. -on -one. So every person that replies to a thread, you know, we're, we're thanking them for that. Anybody that DMs us, we're right there to try to help them out. Because a lot of these founders that have tried us out have these amazing side projects that they've built. And they have very few followers. And no one knows about their product. And I'm sending them all this information about building in public and how to really increase their own distribution. And I really want to see way more people have success. I mean, I know everybody has friends that have built cool products that no one uses. That's why I want to show people what we're doing, you know, in building in public, because we've, we have advantages just being in the investment because early stage investment ecosystem, having invested in these companies. So we're obviously in a better position than the average founder to be successful at what we're doing, but we know what those advantages actually are, and we're trying to build our platform so that those advantages can be automated. So you don't need to have all this experience to really do this well. That would be my goal. Because right now, there's just not enough innovation happening on the planet. And, the, you know, there, there are people that know how to do it. And they could basically build anything they want. And then it's a matter of, well, what do you want to build? And so we're stuck in this loop. That's why building in public is so important to us. It's, it's like instead of influencing your friends to go on these expensive vacations, influence your friends to starting these great companies and share the knowledge on how to do that. I don't, I don't want to keep this knowledge private.
Yeah. Amazing, Paul. I think that's a great approach. And thank you for sharing that. Very lastly, Paul, where can people find you, the business, copy.ai, and also personally? So they can, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Yakubian. That's my handle. And then we have copy underscore AI as our Twitter handle for our, our copy AI Twitter account. And have you got a, an offer at all for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a founder building in public, you can DM me on Twitter and just send me a link to what you're building and sign up for a free trial. Send me the email address that you signed up with and we'll give you a free forever copy.ai plan. We'll upgrade your account to a free forever plan. Wow. <laughs> that is an incredible offer right there. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Ali, thank you so much. So thank you there to Paul. We'll just reiterate that offer and the question again shortly. But let's just revisit those seven key areas of Paul's business playbook. And we're just going to quickly rattle through them. And I'm, I'll focus on one or two of them in, in particular. When Paul talks about build in terms of the order of magnitude and the and focusing on the user proposition, and he says, don't over-optimize. What exactly does he mean by that, Ollie, in sort of everyday speak? I think once you've really got to the, the, the root of the problem that you're solving, what he's saying is, don't go out and build all the features and benefits of whatever you're building in great detail and make sure that it's got a great design and pixel perfect, as he referred to. Go out there, build the product, get it out there to people, get feedback and build and develop the product later on rather than trying to bring an amazing first product to market. Pixel perfect design is a phrase used once or twice, actually. But I think what he's saying is don't agonize over every fine detail because you're just wasting your time, basically. Let's move on then to the third point I made. Make it easy. I know it sounds so obvious, but do you think people sometimes still miss this in the, in the sort of the drive to set up a new business? I think they do. I think whether you're talking about some of your content on your website or the customer journey, I think sometimes people don't follow it through very logically. So if it makes sense in your head, then that's all good and well, but people interpret things in different ways and you've got to really remember that. So I think what you've got to do is really stress test it. So speak to other people about your business um, and get them to click through to your mail sign up you know check that everything works the functionality is good and just make sure that it's frictionless if you're making it a bit more complicated then what you're doing is you're putting up barriers and that's just going to turn people off so i think do make it simple so the fourth point there again continue the theme around speed build for launch speed and then five launch as fast as possible Ollie, you'll be able to identify this because he talks about winning early adopters. You can sort of go backwards and forwards in terms of your planning and this and that. But you see, if your product's out there and you've got people already, Paul talks about the value of those early adopters, how they're very special people because they can give you that feedback that you need. And Ollie, you yourself were one of Paul's early adopters. Yeah, no, I think it's critical really to get those people on board and get that feedback directly from your customer base because these people are going to be potentially long-term champions of your business. So if you're listening to them, if you're building features and benefits that they want to see, then ultimately you're going to build a long-term relationship and a, a, a lucrative lifetime value in terms of potential future revenue. So I think it's it's really important to get those early adopters on board and then you know make the product great 
And then once you are looking to get it out to the mass market, obviously your marketing is going to be slightly different then because you're not marketing to those early adopters. Just the sixth point you made about distribution and finding your leverage points and, it, and thinking it's there was talking about people who can basically sell this or promote this or, or, or be advocates of this for you. But it, it goes back to the point about early adopters. Early adopters can play that role as well, can't they? they these people can be very powerful advocates, can't they? Yeah, I think in terms of having those early adopters and actually getting them on board, essentially they're going to be your future champions um, and really the people spreading the word about your product or service. So I think making sure that you got those early early fans is really important. And then the seventh and final point, which is probably the most interesting of, of, of the lot and the most challenging in, in many ways to a founder and we've touched upon this already in the podcast, was about building, launching, and getting feedback within seven days. I guess, and I've scribbled down here, basically, is this feasible? So, Ollie, basically, is that feasible? Is that realistic? I think it really depends. I think if you're a serial entrepreneur and have started other businesses before, then I think, yeah, I think there's no reason why you couldn't do that. Obviously, that's going to be quite testing, but I think... If you're a first-time founder, then that's probably going to be a bit of a challenge. So I think it depends on your your entrepreneurial experience, to be perfectly honest. Do you think actually trying to do it in seven days, I think it's quite an interesting challenge. It's almost like January feels like a good time to try this one out, really. Everyone's talking about having new regimes and new approaches. Do you think it's a good challenge for someone to try and see if they can actually get off the ground in seven days and not waste too much of their own time? I think it's an amazing challenge. You might not fully get there in terms of launching, but I think if you're going at it gung-ho over a very concentrated period of time, then who knows where it will end up. I think a lot of founders probably do overthink their idea and they don't externally communicate it very well. So I think if there's anything that they can do quicker and actually getting it out there, in a short period of time, that's going to help them. It might make them realize that actually it isn't a go and it's not going to be a business per se, but the learning that you'll get from that will be invaluable. And then it may spark a different business idea off the back of that. I like the idea though of that challenge. And then maybe that's something we should throw out in our socials about, you know, we'll put it out there to any founder or any potential founder. Can you set up a business, get it off the ground in seven days? You know, if anyone actually does that this year, then I think they automatically qualify to come on the show. So we welcome you and your seven day challenge. Absolutely. You can be our guest, our next guest star. What what an incentive that would be, Ollie. Now, Paul was very canny because he snuck in an eighth uh, bit of advice there. So we focused on his uh, seven part playbook. The final one was, was about target markets. And I suppose it's fitting that the tool he's created can create copy for very nuanced marketing channels. I think what Paul's trying to say was, Basically, find out where your target market is, but it's how you access them. Your target audience are somewhere out there online, and they may not all be on Facebook, they may not all be on Twitter, or they may not even be on their channels at all, but they are somewhere, and the trick is to find them, which is quite an interesting point to finish on there, Ollie, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, your audience, uh, as you say, quite rightly, Andrew, are hanging out somewhere. So it's just about establishing where they're hanging out online and then obviously reaching them via those channels. So I think it's a, it's a really key point in terms of knowing your audience uh, and knowing where to find them. We'll wrap it up there, but really fascinating conversation. You know, we could spend easy spent an hour talking about just one bit of this proposition and uh, it's fascinating what Paul's developed there so Paul thank you once again for your time and also just a reminder of Paul's offer there 
and he invites any founder to direct message him via Twitter when they sign up for a free trial of this particular product, copy.ai. If I'm right, Ollie, he was offering a free forever copy.ai plan. Yeah, it's an amazing offer. I think he's really interested in finding out about what founders' visions are. Just to give a few snippets to people listening, if you are trying to shape your vision at the moment, it might be worth having a look at some themes. So if you go on to the UN Sustainable Development Goals, there's 15 of them. There's some really big areas there like ending poverty. So have a look at some of those areas. Also, it's worth having a look at the government industrial strategy paper, which basically identifies four key areas for the future of the UK economy. So if you're looking to solve a big problem, it's a really good starting point to think about how bold you want your vision to be. Maybe this is the year to be bold. I mean, life's too short not to be bold, really, Ollie, isn't it? And I know Paul was a big advocate of people having a big vision and having that, that sense of ambition. And he feels that they're the ones who deserve the backing. Thanks once again to Paul for his very kind offer of support. If you're a founder, direct message on Twitter, sign up for a free trial of copy.ai and uh, see where that takes you. We did mention also that Paul had a question. Every episode, we always put it out there to our audience with a particular question or thing. So this is what Paul had to ask. Over now to Freya in Social Media Corner, just to reiterate what Paul's question was and how you can get touched with us via our various social channels. This episode's question from Paul is, as a startup founder, what are the main pain points that you have with writing and articulating your product? So get in touch. We'd love to know what you think. You can find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. On both Instagram and Twitter, we're Founded Grounded. And on Facebook, we're Founded and Grounded. So give us a follow to keep updated. Okay, thank you there to Freya Scott. That is us done for episode seven and episode one of 2021. So, Ollie, thank you as ever for your input and expertise. Thanks, Andrew. A great way to kick off the new year and look forward to our next guest. You have been listening to Founded and Grounded with myself, Andrew Parsonage, and business startup guru, Mr. Ollie Collard, and also featuring the vocal talents of Miss Freya Scott. As well, we shall return for another episode of our podcast, but thank you once again for listening. We do appreciate it, and we look forward to bringing you more of the same over the course of 2021. For now, though, please do get in touch with us via our socials. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, as ever, in these uncertain times, stay safe, take care of yourselves, look after each other, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. For now, cheerio. Cheerio.